0: Bless you. Welcome to Bible Study Live. Uh, Thank you for liking, commenting, and sharing, and subscribing. We appreciate you. We are grateful to be amongst the people of God, teaching the Word of God, loving on God, and loving on each other. Let's bow our heads, and let's get right into uh, prayer, and then into the Word of God. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, and we praise you we love you, we honor you, and we appreciate you, God. Thank you for all that you are, all that you mean. You are so important, so kind, so special, so great to us. And God, we ask that you would give us wisdom as we discuss our topic for today and that you would strengthen us and encourage us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So on Sunday, we talked about Defender. We were in Pink Sunday, which is our Breast Cancer Awareness Sunday that we do every year. And so we came up with this uh, title, Defender. And I waited a little later in the uh, sermon to expound on how we got to this topic. I'll do the same thing as I teach through it, even though most of you have heard it. I will uh, rehearse it. And so what we wanted to do, start off with, is just give us a definition. Um, Definition is to defend. Defend which means to resist an attack made on someone or something to protect from harm or danger. And so we're speaking uh, specifically as it relates to spiritually. And so um, since we have been talking about what it means to be a healthy church and healthy people and uh, people who are prepared, people who face things, then oftentimes there becomes uh, a target on our back, so to speak, because of where we're headed and what we are accomplishing as, as it relates to the kingdom of God. We did a long, extensive series earlier this year on the kingdom and how we are actually occupying the kingdom right now. So even though we are not necessarily military people because we're not fighting every day, like when you grow up in a uh, country that is very militaristic, sometimes those children, they learn to handle guns really early on. A lot of times because they're not in a democracy, they have to be very war-minded because they are a what you call a war-torn country that constantly sees war. Um, America's not like that because of democracy, but when you teach things like kingdom and warfare, Countries who have lived under natural, physical war, they kind of, it clicks for them a little better. For us, because that's not how we function, it takes us a while to kind of get our mind wrapped around it. So we have to understand that whenever we're trying to progress and do something positive and good, there is just going to be resistance, and we need a defense mechanism for the resistance and the attack. And so we actually have to resist the resistance. We have to defend against the attack, and we have to be uh, army-minded, soldier-minded, kingdom-minded, knowing that we are actually taking territory away from the devil by us just existing and worshiping God. Many of us come to God just to get out of it, trouble that we were in, but not knowing that sometimes you jump out of uh, the fire into the frying pan, so to speak. You you go from one level to another, and as you learn that, you begin to understand that it's important for you. One scripture says, and I didn't use it on Sunday, but it says, contend for the faith. So, it does become important that you actually contend, resist, fight. So, Many of these terms that we use, they were used in scripture, but those in the Bible days, they would have been more akin and accustomed to to seeing that type of uh, war. And so we aren't. But now, as we are in the middle of of what we see, in the middle of two wars that are brewing around us, the Ukraine Russia war has been ongoing for the last couple of years. Uh, well, actually, it's been a, just a year and some change. Now we're looking at what's going on in Israel. So it's around us, but now we need to think about that spiritually, us being in a war. So with that being said, let's uh, piggyback on what we discussed on last week. And the last point that we left with was that we need to face the enemy. So we, we did the FAC, we talked about fear, anger, change, and then E was the enemy, facing the enemy. And so this message here actually piggybacks off of that, so if you are reserved to face the enemy, then it means this, and this was a uh, quote that I gave, winners run into battle, but cowards run away, don't be a coward. So if you are reserved to face the enemy, you're reserved to run into uh, battle and not run away, that's a beautiful thing, but it may come with not the best results starting off. So we want you to face the enemy. We want you to know you are a winner, but we also want you to understand that the winning may not be seen right away. War in itself is a long-term thing because there's a lot of strategy, a lot of things that have to happen, and when. You have an enemy who has been preparing for you longer than you have been preparing for it. It can cause losses right away. A prime example of that is that in the attack of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, when Japanese, they bombed Pearl Harbor. We were dragged into that war. It was a war that uh, we weren't really getting ready to get into. And so when Japan, when they figured that they needed to attack us and they needed to attack us based on the South Pacific seas, based on what they were trying to do, they couldn't get around us. So they had to prepare for the best way to strike us, attack us without us even knowing it. So they were preparing for us much longer than we were preparing for them. When we struck back, it was a counterattack. They attacked us by surprise. We had to respond. So when you think of it in terms of spirituality, Satan and his demons and his cohorts, they have been here for thousands of years. They have been here for generations. They know your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandma and granddaddy. And so they know more about your family than you do. And the attack is sometimes so strategic and so harsh that even though we're running into the battle and we're willing to face it, we're not cowards, sometimes the blows that we take can be so challenging and you can feel like you are losing. And so that leads us to this point What happens when the battle runs to you? What happens when you're willing to run into the battle, but the battle meets you before you get there or before you even know to run into battle or before you even know you're in a battle, the battle just shows up at your doorstep in an unfathomable way, something you never would have thought would happen. Now you're thrust into dealing with it. So what happens in that type of environment, which is what many of us have been in. So um, let's look at this verse. This will help us. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence, and the violent have been seizing it by force. So since we have been in the earth before we got here, the kingdom has been suffering violence there's been a demonic onslaught attack there's been spiritual warfare before you ever showed up and it's because of the kingdom of god and it is a violent assault it is a violent push it is not uh my father used to say it all the time it's not mickey mouse and donald duck this is not plaything this is it's a battle for your soul it's a battle for your mind it's a battle for your faith, your belief in God. It's it's a battle, and it's not just singularly focused on you. It's an attack against God himself. It's against his kingdom, his reign, and his rule, because if his kingdom reigns and it rules, it shuts down the future for the kingdom of the enemy. So really, they have no choice but to fight. Same thing that the Japanese emperor said of America really don't want to attack America, but we can't do what we need to do without messing with them. And then there is the famous saying that they uh, attribute to him is that he said, but I'm afraid all we did was awake a sleeping giant, that I only attack them because I have to, because I can't accomplish what I need to accomplish without going through America. But I'm afraid that we woke him up at the wrong time. And that's always the fear of the enemy. We talked about last week facing our fears, but the enemy has a fear, too. He has to attack because from the beginning, he said basically he was bigger, badder and better than God. I will ascend above you. He got kicked out of heaven. And from then, he's been trying to construct a kingdom that would do what he promised he would do, that would overthrow God. What he realizes he wasn't on God's level because God kicked him out and didn't deal with him. But God created this earth realm and these people. And so Satan figured, I, if I'm going to get to God, I got to get to God through his people, these creatures that he loves, these humans that have no real power, that he always has to help. He always has to bail out. He He has to do this and that. If I'm going to get to God, I got to get to God through them. So you will never not be a target for the enemy. And let me even add this. Even those who do not obey Satan, those who are on his team, he still can't stand them. He still is. He uses them, but he's still trying to take them out because God's humanity is the apple of his eye. And God wants nothing more than to love on his humanity and to save them and to reverse the curse in their lives. So because of things that happened well before we got here, it is always going to be a violent assault. And so when you understand that, then you have the approach that the violent, they seize it by force. There's like, okay, we step our game up, not just to match your level, but to surpass it, because now, and one scripture says we're, we're not ignorant of his devices. Now we realize what it is. So we, as human beings, we as the nature of, of uh, God and the nature of his creation. So even if you remove human beings out of his creation, nature speaks of God. Nature worships God. The sky the galaxies the stars the oceans the trees the birds they speak of the glory of god it ticks satan off and so he's always attacking the earth and so he wanted to attack the earth through sin because the wages of sin is death and so what we see is since the fall of man is that earth begin to erode it begin to corrupt trees die things die But God is so amazing and so awesome that even in death, beauty arrives. So we are in a season now called fall. And fall is a season of it begins the dying process so that winter can come. But even in the process of death, the leaves begin to change colors. They change colors because they're actually dying. But there's beauty in it. And it bothers Satan so much because even in the dying beauty is emerging. And so all creation worships God. And so then when we, as the created, when we begin to worship God, and so now trees and, and leaves and all those things, they don't have choice. It is just a process. It's the process of nature. But we as human beings, we can actually choose to worship him. Well, when, since he was in heaven and he was in the area of worship, and he was in that place, we are an affront to him. When we say hallelujah, and when we just wake up and smile, and we stretch and wake up in the morning, it is an affront to his kingdom because our nature worships God. Even if we don't love God, because even a sinner, if you cut him, his body will begin to heal because his body reflects the beauty and the genius of the Creator. So he is always after us in some way because it is an affront to him and his kingdom and his promise to be able to overthrow God. So now we knowing that and we become aware of that, we understand that we are in the kingdom of God, but we are targets. So we just rise to the occasion. We press back with our own violence to say, Yes, you got whooped by our father. You got whooped by his son, and now you're going to get whooped by his children. We're not backing down. We are facing your violence with another level of violence. But the difference is, in the end, we're going to win. And so we take that approach, it really puts Satan in his place, and he doesn't like it. And so he keeps bringing more onslaught. And what we got to do is we got to keep bringing it back to him. All right, so... Let's look at this phrase, the battle versus the promise. So no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And finally, and the righteousness is of me saith the Lord. So this is our inheritance, our inheritance, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, it doesn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. It says the weapon wouldn't prosper or succeed, or ultimately, when you weigh everything out, the weapon would not win. It doesn't say it wouldn't be winning at some point. It will not ultimately win. But if you back up a few verses, one of the things that the Isaiah says, the prophet says, it says that I created the waster to destroy. It, it It's speaking that God says that actually I'm the one who actually created the destroyer. So Satan was created by God. So for the simple fact that that he went rogue and went wild and he's doing this, that and the other, he still is on God's leash. And what he is doing many times is benefiting us in the long run because he's stirring up things that actually is going to help us. And so that bothers him too because he cannot say that he created himself. He can, he has a starting point like us and he has an ending point like us. See, the, the scripture talks about us having a beginning and an ending and an end. But uh, God is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. So he has no beginning and he exists outside of that. So Satan is finite. He's not infinite. He's more powerful than us, but he's a lot closer to us than he wants to admit. Only thing different than us, he has a supernatural element that we don't have. But when we link it with God, we have that supernatural element and we have the supernatural element that was greater than him. So it is very frustrating to him to know that at the end of the day, he still is controlled by God. He can only go so far, do so much, but he cannot get us to realize that. So his main power is the power of suggestion. I got to keep suggesting to you, that I am stronger than you. But you're only stronger than me as long as I'm walking away from God. As long as I'm linking up with God, you're limited in your power and you're limited in your ability. Now, yes, you can do some things that can weaken me to my core, that can bring me to my knees, but that's not the ending. You can only start the movie, you can't end the movie. Because God... Controls everything. So no matter what you do, even though it's formed, it can't prosper. And everything that comes against me, God is going to fix, and my righteousness is of God. So even when you do all these things that you're trying to do to me, your major goal is to get me to walk away from God and no longer be righteous. But you can't do it because my righteousness is not of me. My righteousness is of God. And in my lowest moments, He's still going to build me up. He's still going to call me righteous. He's still going to make me righteous. So you're going to lose, 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 lose all the time. You're attacking, trying to win. He's really in a lose, lose situation. I, I give him credit that he keeps trying. He's persistent, but he's in a lose, lose situation. The problem is from our perspective, it often feels like we're the ones who is losing. All right. So here's the second point. The first point was, uh, what happens when the battle is running to us the second point is why does it feel like the weapons are prospering so pastor why does it feel the other way so I've explained some of it to us why it feels the other way because we're we're dealing it from the earthly perspective but but there's there's more to kind of uh, get into there's more things that we can kind of share and flesh out that would that will help us one of the things That since we're human, we deal with emotions, but emotions are finite. They're not infinite. Emotions are part of the human journey, but emotions don't tell the whole story. I I use the example of a movie. Go back to a movie. The movie in it, it actually evokes several different emotions. You can take a character and in the beginning of the movie, really, really like the character. And then there's a plot twist. And you see that that character was behind of a bunch of stuff. And now you say, ooh, ooh, that old dirty, rotten scoundrel. Well, first, you, you, liked it. you liked the character at first until you got more information. So your emotions changed based on the story. And we feel like we're losing because sometimes we are losing at that current time. It doesn't tell the full story. When you're dealing with unimaginable grief, it feels like losing because you've lost something, but it doesn't tell the full story. So the only thing you can do is survive long enough to get to the climax, to get to the point that God is going to show you. And so you just have to outlast the enemy in times like this. And you just got to feel what you feel. And it's okay to be honest with what you feel. And so that's why I like to be able to say things like this. And so when we look at David in his life, he told what he felt. Hey, it feels like the weapon is pro- is prospering. The promise is one thing, but the battle is something else. The battle has me with these emotions, these feelings that I can't shake. And that's not altogether bad or wrong It's just real. It's your real reality. All right. So here's something to remember. Even though the weapon won't prosper, attack can still come. So understand what life is. Attack can still come even though the weapon won't prosper. And attack can still hurt. Attack can still be painful. Attack can still be unfair. Let's add this. Even though the weapon won't prosper, trouble can still come. The attack often leaves us with a lot of trouble, leaves us with things that we didn't have before the attack, troubles we didn't have before the attack. The troubles sometimes come with trials. Uh, There's obstacles. There's, There's so much that comes with the attack. Even though the weapon ultimately will not prosper, doesn't mean I'm not going to hurt. And that's the major point I'm trying to get you to see. In in the ring, in a boxing match, you can have a person who wins, but when they are uh, holding up the championship belt, they look like they've went through it. They look like they've been punched because they did, and those punches, just because they won, doesn't mean the punches didn't hurt. Doesn't mean that the opponent wasn't skilled at what they did. Wasn't a great boxer, boxer and a very formidable opponent. Sometimes the opponent is very formidable, knows what it's doing. Uh, when I was uh, preparing this message, I, I almost brought up this video that I saw because it it, uh, it kind of made me feel what I was trying to share. But it was a, a boxing match, and as soon as the match starts, They're like in the very first round and the opponent swings and hits the guy and the guy drops to his knees right away, like a minute and 30 into the match. He's already on his knees. Now, when you prepare to fight, you don't prepare to be on your knees immediately. The referee is giving him the count. He shakes himself off, stands up, says he's ready to go. Knees are a little wobbly, and the other guy throws another shot to try to finish him off, and then he just kind of gets his stability. He moves, and then he throws a shot, and it totally knocks the enemy out. And this guy was out for the count. But if you looked at the match at the very beginning, you would be convinced that this guy is not going to win. He's on the ground already, but that didn't tell the full story. And the only thing I need for you to do is fight long enough to get to the end of the story. The cheat code that we have is we've already read the back of the book. We already know how this ends. The problem is we just got to live long enough to get to it. And that becomes the hard part. And so here's C. If God didn't stop the attack, his plan is to defend you in the attack. So. For whatever reason, if the attack was not stopped, and there's several attacks that are stopped, but we usually don't know about them. We only know about the ones that make it through. And the ones that make it through can be very, very challenging. But I need you to know that if he didn't stop it for whatever reason, many times we want to know why it wasn't stopped, why it wasn't blocked, was it our fault, was it his fault, sometimes we Just don't know. It could be a myriad of reasons. But one thing I've learned is many times God doesn't answer all of those questions of the why. He just tries to prove to you that I'll raise up and defend you in it. I'll get in there with you. If I don't stop it from coming to you, then I need you to know I'm going to get in it with you. And it takes a while for that truth to be comforting. Because that first question is, well, why didn't you stop? Just, it'd be much better if you stopped it. If you would have just stopped the divorce, or if you would have stopped the the cancer, that seemed like it would have been better. But then you begin to learn in the journey that there are things that I learned when he got in it with me, because I learned God in another way that I never knew him before, because he walked in in it with me. He actually got in it with me because when we're honest, when God is in stuff with us, in, in with us, then he's not in with us on Sunday morning church because Sunday morning church is where we put our best face forward. I'm talking about when he's in it with you and you by yourself and you're fussing with God at God and, and you're saying things and thinking things and close to believing things that you wouldn't tell another person because you don't want people to think you're crazy, but you go through crazy moments. Just, just read Job and read how he talked to God. Look, It would have been better if I wasn't even born. I don't even know why you wasted your time allowing me to come out the womb if it was going to be like that. But we see the end of Job, he comes to a place in God a revelation in God that he never would have had had he not gone through it. I can see now we're not going to get through the full thing I got through Sunday. So I'm going to spend a little more time. Uh, just recently, uh, Kirk Franklin released a documentary called Father's Day. And I, uh, I, I think it's good for a lot of people to watch. And I don't want to uh, spoil it for you. So I won't tell the fullness, but it has a lot to do with him not knowing who his real father was and thinking someone was his father. And now in just 2023, finding out something totally different. Be very good for you to watch on YouTube, Kirk Franklin father's day. Um, But as I was watching it and watching his pain, it, it, you can tell it, it hurts Mm and you could tell, Is something he definitely did not want. And you can tell he's probably asked God the question, why? Why did it have to be this way? But as I'm watching it, I realize he would not have been Kirk Franklin without it. The music that we love, that has blessed us, that has gotten us over, it never would have come if he didn't go through what he went through. And here's the truth, and it's a hard truth to come to grips with. But when you are called to people, when your life is given to others, there's some pains that you are going to face, and it's simply for the blessing of others. Many of us have been able to get through stuff because we were able to read jokes. We were able to read David. And if we want to bring it all the way down to brass text, we were able to read Jesus. When we begin to celebrate and shout and dance in church about the fact that three days later, he rose from the grave with all power in his hand and how that touches us and how that excites us. But we have only can read the story, but we didn't live with Jesus lived. But he was a sacrifice, and he was a willing sacrifice. But you go beyond just to Jesus, and you look at, at Stephen, who's stoned. And as he's being stoned, he sees heaven open. All he was doing was just sharing about the history of the Jews and how there's a new Savior. He hadn't done anything wrong but his life was a sacrifice. There are some people in life, their lives are sacrificial lives. Their lives are lives for the benefit of others. And so sometimes what is happening is Satan is bringing the attack to take you out, but God gets in the attack and gets in it with you because he's trying to strengthen you because if you come out of it, What happens is you give hope for so many others and the attack becomes weaker for them because they see that if she could make it through this, I surely can make it through that. If he can go through this, I surely can come out of that. What happens is your life becomes a testimony for others and others win on the heels of your loss. And I, I, I can't tell how God chooses who's going to suffer in this life, how it's picked, how it works out. But I have learned and seen those people who've lived sacrificial lives. We who have been the benefit of the people around them, we are better because of it. We all are better because of Jesus' sacrifice. But let's, let's take it to other simpler things. We're better because of the Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. We're better because of the Harriet Tubman's. Did Harriet Tubman want to be Harriet Tubman? Did she really want to be born a slave? She made the best of it. And now we all have benefited because of what they did in the underground rural world. But how many times did she ask herself, why does it have to be so hard for me? Why is life so hard for me? But is it a possibility if God does not come back and get us in our lifetime, is it a possibility that somebody is going to be reading your story and somebody is going to be grateful because of what you went through and the fact that you came through it? So the question is, is it's a possibility. The reason why God wanted to present himself as defender is because you are just not like everybody else. You actually have a purpose that's so bigger and so much more expansive than you that God has to do like He did with Job and say, Hey, have you considered so and so? Uh, look at them. No, don't, don't look at me. Cause, shoot, when the devil look at me, he throw everything at the kitchen sink. But God is so confident in you. That he's able to tell the devil, I, listen, I already know you trying to get after him. I already know you're trying to get after her. So let's cut to the chase. Hey, you, you considered her? You considered him? Hey, you, you, you checked out Deliverance Temple? Well, as a matter of fact, I have, I have, and I, I'm trying to get at him. I'm trying to tear him down. All right, see what you got. <laughs> no, God, don't, don't say that. But God was so confident in Job and so confident in his workings in Job's life that he says, I will allow this to happen because, and the scripture says it plainly, the latter end of Job is much greater. Same thing happened with Joseph. And Joseph was able to say, Satan meant it for my bad, but God meant it for my good. What do you mean? My brothers hating me, selling me into slavery, first of all, was trying to kill me. And at the last minute, decided not to kill me, stuck me in a pit. Then I got taken out the pit and then sold into slavery. And I finally get a break and get a chance to do well in Potiphar's house and his wife because she's attracted to me. I ain't done nothing wrong. She's attracted to me. And now she lies on me. And now I end up in prison. And now we got the butler and the baker here. And I tell their dream. And the butler promises that when he gets to the palace, I'll I'll talk about you. And he forget, how many times have you been forgotten? I didn't got this far. And now I'm forgotten. I'm here, wasted away. How many times was Joseph upset with God and wondering, like, man, this just, this don't seem right. But then. All of a sudden, here he is getting promoted to second in command under Pharaoh in the palace. So he went from the pit to the prison, to Potiphar's house, to the palace. It seems as if the goal all along was to get him to the palace, but he had to go through that journey. Now look at it from the end of Satan's end. Satan... The moment he got the multicolored coat, he said, "I got him. I got him. I'm gonna stir up his brothers to hate on him, and I'm gonna get them to kill him." And they got it all the way up to the point, but then they did, they didn't kill him. Oh well, well shoot, they didn't kill him, but they left him in the pit. He gonna starve. Now here come these people, raiders, stealers, who steal stuff. Oh, there's something in the pit. I ain't even gotta steal it. We're just gonna take him and put him into slavery, and then we'll sell him. Well, shoot, I, I was trying to kill him, but at least he's going to be a slave. Now he, he rises up as a slave in the Potiphar's house. Now Satan's getting frustrated. Now what can I do? Oh, I know he a good-looking fella. Now he shouldn't, after all he'd been through, he shouldn't have been good-looking. You don't look like what you've been through. But, okay, uh, at least I, I can sow this seed with this woman. And let's think about all of this. And at the end of all of that, he ends up in the palace. But the goal, even though the goal was get him to the palace, the goal really was not about Joseph. The goal was to save Israel because a famine was coming and he was strategically going to be in the right place to save the entire Jewish people. So it's a possibility that your purpose is so big and so great and so selfless that you go through what you go through. And instead of God stopping it, he just says, I'm going to defend you in it. All right. Uh, I really feel something on that different than what I felt on Sunday, because I believe that God is sharing with us that he's still got us. All right. Uh, Look at this word stronghold, a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. So not to stop the attack, but how can I protect you? against the attack. Let's look at these scriptures. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. So it means there is going to be a day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him. So that means he knows those who don't. And there's a separation between those who take refuge in him and those who do not. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, even the oppressed people. He's a stronghold for them. A stronghold in times of trouble. Same thing. There's times of trouble. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. All these things are powerful to read. But if you need him to be your stronghold, that means you actually are in a bad way. You actually something has run up on you that is much bigger than you, something that you can't handle, something probably that you never would have thought of. But God reveals himself in so many different levels. He reveals himself as a rescuer. He reveals himself as a refuge. He reveals himself as father, as a lover. He reveals himself as a sacrifice for you. Sometimes he sacrifices so you don't have to go through things. But the times you do have to go through things, he says, I can just get in it with you and be a stronghold. In other words, be the thing that you can hold on strongly to be the fortified city that you can, that that you can bear up under when the attack is real deep and real strong. There are people who have been in shootouts or in uh, mass shootings and they just had to bunker down or been in war. They just had to bunker down. I don't have even nothing to fight back. I just got to grab everything and just bunker down and, and hold it, hope this thing passes over me. And sometimes we've been in trials like that. I don't have the strip to fight back. I'm just got to bunker down. And God said, I'll get in the foxhole with you. And put my arms around you and hover over you and be that secret place that you can go into and be that stronghold that you can go into when your mind is trying to flip out. I'll be that place that you can just crawl into. I'll be that comfort, that comforter. I'll be that cuddle buddy you need that can just hold you until you can get the strength to come out. Sometimes when we're facing the enemy, we're facing the enemy bunker down. Oh, my God, this is hard. Other times we're facing the enemy with all our might and strength, but sometimes you got to go through the bunkering seasons, but know that God is the stronghold in those bunkering seasons, in those moments. God as defender is a different level of power. So here's what we got to understand. God as defender, when he is the person who stops things from coming, that's beautiful, that's awesome. Only problem about that, many times we don't know about it. There's old saying that says it protects us from dangers seen and unseen. There's millions of sperm trying to get to the egg. Somehow we get there. So there's, we come to earth at a disadvantage to begin with. And everything in life is really disadvantaged, but we don't know it because a lot of things gets, gets blocked. For whatever reason, all those other things got blocked. We got to the egg, and here we are. There's a lot of people that get there, and then they get aborted. For some reason, we're allowed to come through. So God has blocked a whole lot of things. We just don't think about it because we don't know about it. It's hard to praise him over things that we don't know. We don't know how many times we ate food that was poison, and it didn't do anything to us. So we don't praise God for it because we don't know he stopped it. So God has an unfair job in the fact that he does so much that we don't know about. So he doesn't always get the credit that he deserves, but he's so sacrificial. He doesn't care. But then there's the things that come through. And then those are the things that we question God over like, but but why? And that's when he can show us another level of him. Yeah, yeah, I Uh, It's a different level because, yeah, I allowed this to come, but I'm actually going to protect you in it. I'm not going to protect you from it. I'm going to protect you in it. When I protect you from it, you didn't know about it. So you couldn't really praise me. Your praise was limited because you really didn't know what I stopped, what I blocked. But it's not until I get in something with you and protect you in it that you begin to know how powerful I really am. So it's the difference between the provider versus the protector. Look at this scripture. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are protected. I believe the King James says the righteous run into and are safe. So does that mean There might be things in my life that's going to have me on the run. Well, Pastor, you talked about facing the enemy and running into the battle. Just because you run into the battle one way don't mean you're not going to have to run another way. But here's a promise. Remember, we talked about the battle versus the promise. The promise says that the enemy will come in one way. He'll flee seven ways. You may have to run momentarily, but when he runs, he's going to be scattered. He's going to be running here and there. You may have to just run to regroup. You may have to run into the name of the Lord, but it's a strong tower. In other words, you have a place of safety. We used to play uh, games like this where, where you would chase each other around, but there used to be like a safety base. And there was one person trying to get everybody, but as long as I'm in the safety base, you can't touch me. You can't be like, "No, nah, you it. Uh, uh-uh. I'm here. I'm safe. I'm at. I'm at home base." So I'll never be it as long as I'm at home base. And so then what you do, you'd run out, and then the person chase you, and you try to make sure you get back to home base. And here's the thing. The name of the Lord is our home base. And I don't care what the devil brings. As long as we're at home base, he just can't touch us. He can bring it, but he can't touch us. He can't take us out with it. it. It can get close. The fire can get close, but it can't burn us up. The three Hebrew boys, when they walked into the fire, it's a possibility it felt like heat. I mean, you could feel the heat, but it didn't burn them up. And when you're on home base, and here's the reason why the name of the Lord is a strong tower, is because he has a name that's above every name. So whatever you can name, he has a name above it. So if you can name grief, his name is above it. If You can name cancer. His name is above it. If you can name debt, disease, whatever you can throw out there, molestation, his name is above it. It doesn't mean those things are not real and those things don't take their toll and don't have their place. But the fact that you are holding on to the one that has a name above all of those names, what it does is the devil can't touch you with what he wants to touch you with. Oh, let me make it even more simple. This is what he wants to touch you with. He wants to get you to quit on God based on the things that he brings your way. He wants to get you to quit on God and go around and tell other people, listen, get rid of that old God stuff. It's phony. It's fake. It don't mean anything. I've tried it. There's nothing to it. It's fake. It's phony. Give up quit wasting your time and there are people who have come to that conclusion and that's the thing that makes the devil happiest if you refuse to do that you automatically win and so even though things are tough think about all the times you really 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 wanted to walk away from God and you just couldn't because there's just something in you that won't let you let go of it what that is that's the name of the Lord that's that strong tower. Now you can you can override it and reject it. You can get so backslidden that you you reverse. But when you've been in it long enough, there's just something, there's just something inside that you just know. I don't know how, and I don't know when. I say this many times when I'm preaching. Don't know how, don't know when, don't know where. I just I just know. God got this. God got me. Can't explain it. Don't always like it. It's just, it's it's something in here. It's that, it's that strong tower. I got a feeling that everything gonna be all right. That's what they used to sing when I was young. I get that now. I get it more than I used to get it cause it's not it's not like i know no no like i'm super 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 confident i got faith 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 all the time sometimes i'm doubting sometimes i'm nervous sometimes i'm scared but i just got a feeling that everything's going to be all right i got a feeling that god is defending his people i got a feeling that god is working things out that all things work together for the goodness of god for of those who love god and are called according to a purpose i got a, a feeling that I'm getting more power, I got a feeling that i'm stronger i'm wiser i'm better i I got a feeling that I never would have made it without you now, the trial almost made me want to be mad at you, but when I look back over my life, I realized I never would have made it without you because even in my worst thing, you came in there with me and you grabbed me and you held me together, you held my mind together you you somehow <clears throat> caused people to rally around me and somebody said the right word at the right time. A lot of people said the wrong stuff and I really didn't want nobody around me but somebody said the right thing at the right time and it gave me a glimmer of hope. And somehow 10 years later I'm here and I'm testifying about what I went through and it's all because you got in there with me and you was my defender. You were my God. You were my Lord. You were my father. And one thing I know about is, is that my big brother, Jesus, he went through for me. And you had to watch your son die for me. And you stood there and you held on because there was a hope. And the hope was, the Bible says, that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. There was no joy for God and for Jesus except that people would come to be part of the family. And God said, it's worth it if I can just get a few folk. And that was joyous. So God and Jesus have went through horrible things for us. Maybe I can go through some horrible things for him if he'll defend me. And he will. So God, defender of man, God, defender of man. It's, it's it's so interesting that this happened to land on our Pink Sunday, this sermon that God gave me, because when you think about cancer and what it does to the body, but we we have, and uh, maybe more, but we have two known testimonies of breast cancer survivors here at Deliverance Temple. I think there's more, but there's two that come to mind. And it, it was a battle, but, but they end up winning. But God is the defender of man defender of the demonic attacks that come against man. Uh, I won't go into it because I, I took so much time. I won't go into how I came up with this sermon title. Go back and watch it or listen to it. But let's finish the way we finished. We talked about Hamas and Israel. I really won't get into that either. The political ramifications, but just what it represents. Israel represents the people of God and the people of God have been and are under attack. So what can give us strength in this? Knowing that God is the defender of man. He's a defender of mankind against the demonic attacks of the enemy, the strategic demonic attacks, the hate, all of the things. Many of the hardest things we've gone through, the devil was in there somewhere. Even though God allowed it, God did not originate it. It was the devil that did it. So it's demonic attack. So what is Psalms 124, 1 through 8, what does it say? It says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, verse 2, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, this is just a basic praise, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Yeah, I've gone through some rough stuff, but when I think about it, if I would have faced it without God, I don't I don't know if I'd be here. I may be here, but I don't know if I could function the way I'm functioning. I don't know if I'd be as successful as I am. I don't know if I would have gone as far as I've gone if it had not been for the Lord. And so this song is set to music. And so that repetition and that repeating is something that they would repeat. If it had not been for the Lord, let Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord. And then it begins to go into the things that it's talking about. The Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swaddled us up alive. The trial and trouble would have swallowed us alive. When their anger was kindled against us, all the anger, the hate, we're talking about demonic anger, demonic hate. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. We would have been flooded. We had been washed out. We would have gone from hell to high water. But the high water would have choked us out. It would have swamped us. It would have overrode us. We wouldn't have been able to swim in it. We wouldn't have been able to survive. In other words, we would have been attacked on land if we made it to to land because the fire was too hot and we got to some water to preserve us from the fire. The water would have took us over. In other words, we, we were just being hit on every side, but the Lord was on our side. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. In other words, they wanted to bite us and devour us and maul us. These demons, these, these strategic planned attacks, are designed to rip us from flesh, to, f- to rip us down to nothing, to to crush us. That's what it's designed. And many times it felt like that because it's so. it gets so, so close. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And here's the connotation of that. We flew away. When we were in bondage, the snare got us, and we're there. We were trapped, no hope out. Here comes the thing to go ahead and bite us. And somehow we get out, and we fly high, much higher than we were, because we were never designed to be earth creatures. We were designed to be heavenly creatures. So we we fly above the issues. When it looked like we were just getting ready to be eaten up, gobbled up, somehow we fly away. We escape. We make it out like a bird. We escape. And here's the final, final one. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We come to the final realization that Jesus is my help. There's there's a song that Hezekiah Walker and them used to sing that I used to love, and it didn't have it didn't have any words other than Jesus is my help. Jesus is my help but it was such a powerful song. And at the end of the day, it becomes true. The deeper you get in this and the more you go through, the more you face, you come to the reality. My worship is for real because God is my help. The Lord is on my side. He is my defender. We'll close again by reading this. Our help is in the name of the Lord. God is our defender. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, and we appreciate you. Thank you for being our defender. Thank you for being our defender. Thank you for being our hope and our help. And God, we put our trust in you. And we want to be able to tell the world that you came through for us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you dearly. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate the opportunity to pastor this great people. You're going somewhere, and you're going somewhere in God. And having said that, I sign off. Love you. Peace. (laughs)